John chapter 3 this morning. <clears throat> Y'all can tell my voice is quite a bit better than it was last week. Uh, I appreciate y'all's prayers and ask you to continue to do so. Uh, not coughing nearly as much. And, uh, I'm in pretty good shape this morning, so hopefully that'll last. Last week in 1 John chapter 3, I'm not horribly mistaken, we covered the first six verses. Uh, and I really didn't want to cut it off, but I did. Uh, where we did, because uh, it was the best cutting place uh, I could think of at the time. But uh, last week we covered, the, well, the first, first six verses, as I said, and uh, begins with, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And we spent a little bit of time talking about that. And John goes on uh, to talk about a couple of other things, talking about uh, how we are the sons of God, and, uh, and uh, how even though, even though we are currently, presently, if we're saved, the sons of God, it still doesn't appear uh, to us what we shall be. And that's a, that's a pretty massive thought to wrap our, wrap our minds around. It really is. Uh, but uh, he, he goes on down, uh, or we go on down in the scripture a little bit, and uh, we uh, talked about uh, verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And then verse 6 is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, where we cut off, Whosoever abideth, uh, in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth, sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. We talked about that last week, and, and we spoke, and we're going to talk about it some more this week because it continues on in the coming verses. Uh, but this doesn't mean that uh, that we don't sin anymore once we get saved. It doesn't mean that we are made perfect. Uh, in these bodies. Uh, there's a perfect one dwelling on the inside of us in form of the Holy Spirit. Uh, yes, and he cannot commit sin. It's not that he does not commit sin. He cannot commit sin. It's impossible uh, for God uh, to commit sin, whether it be through, through the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. God cannot sin. And uh, that's uh, if God could sin, he wouldn't be God. He cannot sin. And I uh, preached a message about that one time, about the, the, the temptations of Jesus Christ and the three temptations that we're familiar with when uh, he was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and he was tempted of Satan. And uh, Satan tempted him those three times. And, of course, we know that the Lord uh, uh, retorted Satan with Scripture. He wasn't tempting Jesus to see if he would sin. Satan knew Jesus wouldn't sin, but he was tempting him nonetheless. Uh, folks, Satan has been around longer than you or I, either one. And the Bible says the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Satan knew that Jesus couldn't sin, but he tempted him nonetheless. And uh, Jesus... Uh, there was no chance, no chance whatsoever that Jesus would have given in to any of those temptations because he could not sin. He cannot sin. 
And uh, the Bible says here in 1 John in chapter 3 that if we abide in Christ, or it says, uh, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. And we talked about that last week and said it, that doesn't mean that we abide in him and then don't abide in him uh, 50 or 100 times throughout the day. And when we're not abiding in him, that's when we sin. No, folks, we abide in him. We're born again. If we're saved, we're abiding in him constantly. Uh, and he is abiding within us constantly. It's a perpetual thing. So uh, we'll pick up in verse 7, 1 John chapter 3. He says, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So it begins with little children, let no man deceive you. That throws a red flag up to me that John is aware of some deceivers coming into the church, some people that are maybe manipulative uh, or you know, just outright uh, evil people coming in trying to convince people of another gospel, trying to convince people of something else other than what John has been or will be writing uh, to these people that come into the congregations and he's warning them little children let no man deceive you you know paul said if any if any man or any angel preaches another gospel to you let him be accursed uh, and, and it's the same gospel that that john preached the same gospel that paul preached the same gospel that jesus christ himself preached it's a gospel of repentance and belief in the son of god that's the gospel that we need to, to concentrate on. But he says, let no man deceive you. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. So he that doeth righteousness is, is righteous. John, John here is not making a distinction between righteousness and religion per se. He's, he's actually tying the two of them together. Uh, if we take into consideration the previous verse, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not, or whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. If we consider that and that context, and we read uh, that he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, he's not. He's not differing. Uh, the two of them. When I say he's not differing righteousness and religion, he's tying them together much the same way that James did. James said, faith without works is dead being alone. He said, show me thy faith without thy works, I'll show thee my faith by my works, James did. Uh, so, so works and faith, works and religion, if you'd rather phrase it like that, they go hand in hand. And you, you, uh, you cannot be saved without some kind of work. Uh, you, you may not be a preacher. You may not be a teacher. You may not uh, uh, do uh, evangelism on the streets or whatever the case is. You may not do those things. But God, if he has saved you, he has saved you for a purpose. He has consecrated you and he has sanctified you. He has set you apart from the world to do a work and do a service of some kind for him. And that work should be done to the righteousness of God. It should be done to the glory of God. And these works, if we're saved and we're doing the work that God has put in our life for us to do, it will be seen as righteous. It will be counted as righteous. But their first work of righteousness, the first work of righteousness, any of us, 
should have ever done would be believing on God, believing in the Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. We have to believe God. We have to believe the Bible. And then the other righteousnesses uh, will, will be added to that. That he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous, even as who, even as Jesus, even as the one in the previous verse that we're abiding in, he is abiding in us. Uh, if, if we do righteousness, then we are righteous, even as he is righteous. Well, how, do they, how does all this tie together here? Uh, we know that Jesus Christ is righteous. We know that from the scriptures. Remember, John is writing the scriptures uh, to this uh, first and second generation, uh, these first and second generation believers here. They didn't have the New Testament. He's writing the New Testament to them, uh, probably unbeknownst to him that it would ever become scripture. But he says that we are righteous. If we do righteousness, we are righteous even as he, even as Christ is righteous. How was Christ righteous? Christ just is righteousness, yes. We can say that uh, uh, beyond any doubt. But, but how was he righteous? How, In this context, how would that be explained there? Christ lived a life of total obedience unto the Father. That was the righteousness that, that John, uh, John, I believe, would be getting at in this verse here. He says, he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. If we take the righteousness of Christ and we say, well, Christ in all of his righteousness, he healed blind people. He unstopped deaf ears. He healed lepers. He done this and he done that. You know, and I can't do that. Am I truly righteous? Folks, if we can't do that, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we're not righteous. But how can we be righteous as Christ was and is righteous? We can do it by living a, a, an obedient life to the scriptures and living an obedient life unto God, unto our maker, unto the one that consecrated and sanctified us. And that's the best example of, of doing righteousness that we can do. And I can promise you, I promise you, and John gets into that in the next few verses. I promise you, if you live righteously and you live an obedient life unto God, the world's going to hate your guts for it. Yes. The world will look at you. They will make fun of you. They will say this and they will say that uh, about you and about your life and about your walk. The world will hate you if that happens. But Jesus gave us warning about that in the Gospels, didn't he? He said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And he also said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. <coughs> they don't hate us because of who we are. They hate us because of whom we're associated with. I believe I went over that last week as well. They hate us because they hate Jesus Christ. That's why they hate us. Uh, verse 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Folks, I've heard it often, and I agree. That context, when you're reading scripture, context is everything. Context is everything when you're reading the scriptures. We can go, I can go to the book of Ecclesiastes right now and justify all kinds of sin, reading things out of context. 
book of Ecclesiastes, it's very easy to do that in until you get to the 12th chapter. And that's when, it, that's when we realize that's not the case and that's not what Solomon was getting at, was justifying sin. Context is everything. The second, uh, the second most important thing is tenses. When we're reading scripture, we've got to pay attention to the tenses, whether it's past, whether it's present, whether it's future, whether it's in the perfect tense or it's not. These are very important. Context is everything, yes, but I believe personally tense, tenses comes in a, a very close second to that. He that committeth sin is of the devil. This word committeth, this is in the present perfect tense, meaning that it's perpetual, meaning that it's someone who lives a life of constant sin. We talked about that last week when we talked about verse 6 and when we talked about uh, he that abideth in him, abideth in Christ. Uh, and it says, he that committeth sin is of the devil, talking of someone who constantly sins. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Notice that word sinneth. That's also present perfect tense. It, he's constantly sinned. He sinned from the beginning. He sinned in the past. He's still sinning today. And he'll sin on into the future. And uh, the, this is the present perfect tense that we're talking about. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. It says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. People will look at that. And I've heard, uh, I've heard it said myself. People will say, John was being awfully harsh. John wasn't being like Jesus Christ. John wasn't being loving. Jesus Christ called some people, uh, himself called some people the children of the devil. So why can't John do it? It's the truth, and it's the truth of Scripture. It's, uh, Jesus uh, told some people, uh, told the Pharisees one time, he said, you'll, crawl, you'll cross the sea searching for one proselyte. You'll go all around the sea looking for one proselyte, one convert to come and follow you. And when you do find him, he's twofold more the child of hell than you are. These are the words of Jesus, not the words of me. It's what Jesus said. And so it's not harsh, it's truth. What's the old saying that we know? The truth hurts. And it does. The truth of this Bible broke my heart, and it hurt bad uh, before I was saved. When I was under conviction, this Bible, which is truth, God, which is truth, Jesus Christ, which is the way and the truth and the life, it broke my heart, and it hurt. The truth does hurt. So John is not being rash, and he's not being unloving, and he's not being unchristlike. He's being... Uh, very much like Christ in saying that he that committeth sin is of the devil. But remember, this is, uh, this is present perfect tense, that word committed. He that committeth sin, constantly sins, uh, wakes up thinking about sin, goes throughout the day thinking about sin, lays down his head at night thinking about sin, constantly sin is on their heart and on their mind. This, uh, this type of person is of the devil. For the devil uh, sinneth from the beginning. For, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Well, hang on a second. Back up to verse 5. It says, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So why was Jesus manifested? We've got two different things here in two different verses. Folks, it ain't two different things. John's tying it all together. Verse, verse 5, he says, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Verse 8 uh, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if we compare verse 5 and verse 8, he was manifest to take away our sins. In verse 8, he, uh, uh, 
he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What did John just say in verse 8? That the devil sinneth from the beginning, and anyone that committeth sin, present perfect tense, is of the devil. And Jesus Christ was manifested to take away those sins, and in taking away those sins, he is destroying the works of the devil. It's not two different things that Christ was uh, that Christ is doing here. He's doing one thing in two different actions. He's destroying the works of the devil and that he takes away our sins when we are saved. He not only takes them away, folks, he washes us clean of our Amen. sins. And praise God for it. He washes us clean. He makes us new. He makes us whole. He makes us pure. He makes us righteous. He makes us all of these things. And this is the work of Christ. That, that, that we can be called all these things, that we can be called the sons of God. So, uh, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his sin seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And we'll reiterate, tense is very important. It's very important. Whosoever is born of God is as present. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Doth not commit sin. That's present perfect. Whosoever is presently born of God doth not commit sin. Doth not as present perfect. Means we don't live the life of perpetual sin. We don't live a life of continual sin. In fact, we live a life that is quite the opposite of that, which is quite the opposite of the world. We look at, we look out at the world, and, and we might listen to the news or read the paper or read on Facebook, however you get your media, and we, we read about the murders, and we read about the rapes, and we read about the child abuse, and we read about the spousal abuse, and, and we look at these things and we say, my goodness, that person's just full of the devil. I've heard that so many times. And that's not a lie. That, that's tr the truth. That's the truth. All these things are sinful. You know, people go on a killing spree. Or, uh, you know, we read about dope addicts or alcoholics or whatever the case is. And we hear all these stories and we think, that person's just full of the devil. I'm glad I ain't like that. You be careful. That's a very pharisaical attitude to have. I'm glad I'm not like that because at one time you were. At one time you were just like that. You might not have ever touched a drop of alcohol in your life, but you were full of the devil and you were full of sin. And, that, and that's all you were full of. Folks, we still sin. We've still got sin in our lives. We've still got sin in our bodies. We've still got sin in our minds. We still sin, even as born-again children of God. Whosoever is, present tense, born of God, doth not commit sin. Present perfect tense. Meaning we don't live that life. We live a life contrary to that. We do our best not to sin. We ask God to help us not to sin. We ask God, forgive us of our sin. We ask God, guide us in your way. Guide us on the straight and narrow path. Guide, guide us in your law. Uh, David, in the Psalms, he praised God for the law. He praised God for his statutes. He praised God for, for all these things. And we should praise God for the same. It's all part of the word of God. But we do not live a life of continual sin like we once did. In fact, sin, once we're born again, sin should break our heart when we do it. But it should also drive us to God. 
to, to be forgiven of that. I'm not saying for, for a fresh uh, coating or a, a, a fresh cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, that was given when we were born again. I'm saying that sin, because of the, the inward man, the one that dwells inside, because of the Holy Ghost of God living on the inside of every born-again believer, because he is there, it grieves him when we sin. Because it grieves him, him, it should grieve us, and that grievance should drive us to the arms of the Father who Amen. saved us from the very day that we received salvation, and we know that we can go to him. We know that we can go to him, and we know that he's a forgiving God because he's already forgiven us of our sins. But we shouldn't continue in sin. We shouldn't continue in sin. Uh, for the devil, or I'm sorry, verse 9, for his seed remaineth in him. Now, back up to the beginning of verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He gives us the what? Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, and he gives us the why. For, uh, for his seed remaineth in him. For his seed remaineth in him. For God's seed, for, for the Holy Spirit, it remaineth. Once again, this is present perfect tense. Tense is very important. Remaineth. It constantly remains in him. And I believe I've brought it up here before, and I'll bring it up again. I can't believe the people that believe that they're saved and lost 20 times throughout the course of a day. And there's people out there like that. There's people out there that think that the slightest little little thing that they do is going to put them in hell. And folks, if, if that was the case, I mean, God wouldn't have time for y'all because he'd be with me all the time. And you, could, and you should be able to say the same thing about yourself. That God wouldn't have time for anybody else because he'd be uh, forgiving you all day long. Uh, and folks, he is a forgiving God, and I thank God that he is. But he says that whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth, present perfect tense, constantly. His seed constantly is in us. It is perpetually in us. It is forever in us. His seed remaineth in him. That's the why. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. This is not saying that we cannot sin, period. It is not saying that we are made uh, perfect such as Jesus Christ at the moment of our conversion. That's not what John is getting at here. It's saying and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The word, the, the phrase cannot sin, uh, well, doth not commit sin and cannot sin are both in the same tense. We've already been over those tenses. And it's talking about a, a constancy. It's, it's, talk, it's not talking about period. It's talking about a constancy. Like I said, we live, uh, if we're born again, we do our best to live and abide by the moral law of God that he has given us to do. And praise God, the Holy Spirit abides within us to guide us on the, that path, to guide us into that life, to, to guide us into being salt, and to guide us into being the life that God has called us to be. So, <clears throat> folks, there are people, there are people, there's, 
there's sub-denominations, I won't say denominations, but there's sub-denominations that teach because of this verse and a couple of others uh, within this same book, 1 John, that once we're saved, we don't sin anymore. And folks, that's contrary to Scripture. Yes, we sin, and John realized that we sin even after conversion, even after we're born again. So when you hear somebody, and it's bound to happen if you never have, it's bound to happen. When you hear somebody say, well, I ain't sinned since I got born again, uh, folks, that's, that's contrary to what the rest of Scripture says. Uh, so that's not what John is getting at here. Verse 10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So, in this, in what? Well, being there's a period in our English translations at the end of the previous verse, at the end of verse 9, uh, in this the children of God are manifest. He's referring to what he's about to say. He says, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Then there's a colon there in our English translations. That's not... In the original text, there was no punctuation in the original Greek text. Uh, but in our English translations, that's how it reads. So he says, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Uh, and he says, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. He says, in these two things, in this, in these two things that he just listed, are the children of God manifest and the children of the devil. It shows who the children of God are, and it shows who the children of the devil are in those two things that he just listed. It says, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Well, folks, the flip side of that coin, uh, and it being manifested whom the children of God are, would have to be whosoever doeth righteousness it are the children of God, or is the child of God. And then he says, neither he that loveth not his brother. If that's the ones that are the children of the devil, the flip side of that coin would have to be he that loves his brother is a child of God. They that love their brother are the children of God. And that's what John is getting at in this verse of scripture here. So whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Folks, we're, we're called to righteousness. We're called to righteousness in Jesus Christ. Amen. We've already covered uh, righteousness uh, a little bit this morning. But we are called to that righteousness, righteousness, and we are called to be righteous. And every time I teach on, on righteousness, well, I won't say every time, but most times, I like to bring up a fact, a biblical fact, that uh, three times in the Bible, righteousness is plural. Is, brought, is only brought up three times in Scripture. The plural form of righteousness. All three of those times, it's talking about the righteousness of man. Never once is the righteousness of God made plural, but the righteousness of man is done so three times. In the book of Isaiah, we hear it quoted all the time, and we hear it quoted as our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's actually, you flip over and read it for yourself, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It's plural. It's talking about the righteousness of man when it says that. 
There's only one true righteousness, period. There's only one true righteousness in the Bible, and that's the righteousness of God. And we are called to that righteousness, and we are called to be righteous, just as Jesus Christ is. We're called right here in the third chapter of 1 John to be righteous, even as Christ was and is righteous. So whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. If they're not constantly, once again, we're intenses here. I hate to make an English lesson out of a Sunday school lesson. The tense is very important. That he, whosoever doeth not righteousness, righteousness, that's present perfect, meaning, once again, it's constant. It's constant. There's no end to it. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Loveth not his brother. That's also present perfect tense. So doing righteousness and loving our brother is a constant thing. I mean, y'all got brothers and sisters in Christ that you, you love them, but you don't particularly like them. I think all of us could probably say that. But, you know, the Bible, Bible teaches that if at all possible, get along with all men. With whatever's within, within us. We need to get uh, get along with all men. Uh, but whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message that ye heard from the beginning, from the very beginning of, uh, uh, of this uh, whole shebang, we would say, nowadays. But also at the beginning of this letter, uh, John, John began with that. And John, I know I told you all since we've been going through 1 John, it's well documented in church history that uh, in John's latter years, that's basically all he preached was for, for people to love one another, the brethren to love the brethren. And he would call them little children all the time. And I said, it's well documented in church history that was the case. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So if we couple that with verse 10, uh, the end of verse 10, neither he that loveth not his brother, this is the children of the devil he's talking about there. And he says, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And on, on into 1 John here, in fact, on into this uh, uh, same passage of scripture here that we're in, uh, we learned that we learned that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's one of the evidences of salvation. Uh, that's one of that's one of the few that's uh, very very good evidences that were that are in the Scripture that we have that we are saved if we love the brethren. There's some yes that I get along with better than I do others, but uh, you know there's there's a lot of a lot of people that I will say. You know, I'm not saying that they're not saved. I'm not saying they haven't been born again. But I don't like this about them, or I don't like that about them. Uh, you know, and there are people that can say that about me. And I'm sure that there are people that say that about me. But I still love them. Uh, and it's not, but it's not just the brethren that we're to love. We're, we, as born-again children of God, we're commanded in the Scripture to love everyone. Not just the brethren, not just those that we go to church with, not just those that we assemble with. We're, we're commanded to love everyone. 
Uh, Christ showed love to everyone, even to the Pharisees. People read how Christ talked to the Pharisees and the scribes and, uh, and people uh, like that. And they'll say, well, that didn't sound very loving. That was extremely loving. But Christ was calling them out in their sin. He was, he was pinpointing their sin, telling them what it was. And Christ preached a constant gospel of, of repentance uh, as well. So telling, uh, him telling folks about their sin, that was very loving of Christ. And we are to love the world uh, just, as Christ, just as Christ showed love to the world. But we'll end right there this morning. We've got a few minutes. Uh, we'll get into the rest of it. Hopefully finish off that chapter next week. Anybody got any questions or comments?